It's a great morning. It's 7 a.m. and you're listening to Roadmap to Heaven. I'm Adam Wright. So happy to be with you each and every day. Let's begin our morning in prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. O Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer you my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day for all the intentions of your Sacred Heart in union with the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world, in reparation for my sins, for the intentions of all my relatives and friends, and in particular for the intentions of the Holy Father. Amen. We dedicate all of our thoughts, words, and actions to the greater glory of God in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. What a great day. It is Wednesday morning. It's November 15th, and uh, it's a little brisk outside this morning. I absolutely love it when it's... uh, when it's like that and a fall day, the leaves have turned, and in fact, a lot of them are starting to fall off the trees. Soon, it will uh, will be moving into those winter months. I don't know that I'm quite ready for that, but I am ready for what we've got ahead on the show today. For those of you listening on the radio, we're going to continue our series of talks from Father Ripperger on the four last things, talking about particular judgment again today. And then to, uh, after that, for everybody on the show, we've got Dr. Edward Shree to talk about the Seek 24 conference. You know Dr. Shree, Augustine Institute, Focus. He's, you know, he's great. He's fantastic. We're going to have him on the show with us. And then uh, later on we'll continue playing the interview we taped the other day with Bishop Rivetuso about the Sacrament of Confirmation. So that is all ahead on Roadmap to Heaven this morning. Let's get you a check of the weather. Find out how brisk it's going to be today with Mike Roberts. Today is the feast day of St. Albert the Great, Bishop and Doctor of the Church. Born in Germany late in the 12th century, Albert was the son of a powerful and wealthy military leader who was also a count. He went to the University of Padua, where he was a brilliant student in virtually all areas, including philosophy, becoming an expert in the philosophies of Aristotle. And it was during this period that he had encountered with the Blessed Mother. While hunting in the woods, Albert came upon a beautiful woman dressed in pure white who identified herself as the mother of Jesus, and she spoke to him about the transfiguration. She also encouraged Albert to become a priest. In 1223, Albert joined the Dominicans and began a lifelong journey of writing and teaching. His goal was to consolidate all the knowledge of his day and make it accessible in one place, a sort of 13th century Google. Albert spent 20 years putting together a collection of books and teachings on natural science, logic, rhetoric, mathematics, astronomy, and so much more. His teachings on Aristotle were fundamental to the church's position on philosophy. Albert was also the most influential teacher in the education of St. Thomas Aquinas. He was as well the Bishop of Regensburg, a Dominican provincial, and a preacher to the crusade in Germany. Of all of his writings, the most beautiful of Albert's may well have been this short prayer to the Blessed Mother called Mother of Grace. Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. For note, Mary, you have found grace, not taken it as Lucifer did. You have found grace and not lost it as Adam did. You have found favor with God because you desired and sought it. You have found uncreated grace, that is, God himself became your son and with the grace you have found obtained every uncreated good. He died on this day in 1280. St. Albert the Great, 
please pray for us. I'm meteorologist Mike Roberts for Covenant Network. Have a blessed day. Saint of the Day can arrive each morning by subscribing on your favorite podcast player. Search Covenant Network to see all our podcasts. We are so thrilled that we're now in the month of November because that means we are one month closer to Seek 24, an incredible time for those in our listening area to gather as 17,000, 20,000, dare I say, college students and more descend upon the St. Louis metro area for one purpose, to give glory and honor to God who made us, who loves us, who offers us redemption and calls us to be saints. And you may be thinking that, well, that Adam, that's great. That's just for the college students. And I know a few. I wish them well. I hope they go. But no, Seek 24 is for everyone, especially you and I who might be saying, all right, and I'll let you in on a little roadmap to heaven secret. When it's you and I here on the video or I'm on the radio. It's really easy to talk about our faith. It's very easy for me to share. When it comes to the parking lot at school pickup and that parent that, you know, I've been thinking, maybe maybe I should invite them to enter more fully into the life of the church. Even I have trouble with that sometimes, and SEEK has the answer for us. It's the Making Missionary Disciples track. We're happy to have with us on the show today Dr. Edward Shree, uh, who needs no introduction, to share with us about why this is so important for you and I. Dr. Shree, it's so good to have you with us on Roadmap to Heaven today. Oh, great to be with you, and so excited to be coming back to St. Louis for the SEEK Conference. And you're hitting it right on the head. It is so moving seeing the future of the church. You know, I think sometimes we get discouraged and go, oh, so many problems in the world, so many problems in the church, people are leaving, and then you come to SEEK. And you see that young people all around the United States and even overseas are becoming so moved to to worship Jesus, to grow in their Catholic faith, to worship him at mass and Eucharistic adoration, thousands of them going to confession. Uh, It is so moving to see hope, real tangible hope for the future of the church. And if that's the only reason you came to seek, you just need to be uplifted to say God is still here. He's still with our Catholic church. He's doing great things. That that alone is a great reason. But what many people don't realize is that there are going to be thousands of adults from around the country also joining us. People are flying in from coast to coast, uh, whether it's bishops, diocesan leaders, pastors of parishes, youth ministers, Catholic school teachers, um, and then ordinary lay Catholics that are involved in their parish. Maybe they help with RCAA, or maybe they lead a a small group Bible study, or they're part of their men's group or their women's group, or they're just moms and dads that know that we have a great responsibility to pass on our faith to the next generation. And I want to do that better in my own home. We have thousands of of adults that are coming to the conference as well uh, to participate, and uh, they'll, they'll, they'll go to the Making Missionary Disciples track as well, which is awesome. Yeah, this is something I love about Focus. I mean, for 25-plus years now, it's been an amazing mission that started on college campuses. But the formula, you know, if if we want to call it a formula or the the plan, it transfers not just to college students. It's applicable in all phases of life. So for those of us who are in those post-collegiate years and then some, there's still something we can learn about the model that Focus has developed that they, they use on. I, I've lost track of how many college campuses. And Dr. Shree, I mean, that's really what I'm coming to. The conversations with my peers are really, in essence, no different than the conversations the Focus missionaries are having with peers on the campuses. And to take an even bigger step back, no different than 
the conversations our Lord was having with the apostles and then the apostles with the disciples and those in the, the areas that they were sent to in the world. I mean, th- this is not reinventing the wheel, and yet it's something that we all could spend some time learning a lot more about. Yeah, so Focus serves on close to 200 campuses in the United States and eight more overseas. We also serve priests. So one of these we're doing is serving parishes. So priests in 53 parishes, assisting them in the work of evangelization. Uh, That's been an incredible blessing. But let me tell you about the Making Missionary Disciples track. So any layperson can come. I know on Wednesday night especially is the night for Eucharistic adoration. And if you can only come one night, you come for that night because it's so moving to to be with all these young people and worship and pray. But if, if you can come for the Making Missionary Disciples track, what happens is uh, everybody goes to morning mass together, you know, uh, whether you're an adult or you're a college student, we all go to mass. And that's just, you remember, I mean, to be in there with the the dome with 19,000 other people, you know, 500 priests and 30 bishops. It's just, it is really moving to see the whole universal church gathered like this. So we go to a mass together uh, and then we get to go to the keynotes as well. So if you love speakers like Father Mike Schmitz and Sister Marion James and Curtis Martin and uh, and many others. Like uh, you, you'll get to hear the keynotes with the college students. Those are great talks for, I don't care if you're 18 or 80, you're gonna love those talks. They're, they're, they speak to all of us. But in the daytime hours after mass, when all of the young people are gonna go to their talks about dating relationships or chastity or whatever, um, we have the adult session, which is called the Making Missionary Disciples Track, and it's really for those that want to pass on the faith, whether it's formally in my parish, whether I just volunteer and I lead a small group, or I'm a part of a small group, and I want to be better at this, um, or I just want to pass on the faith to my own children and grandchildren better. I want to learn the skills, the art of evangelization. Uh, that's what we're going to take a look at, uh, particularly the art of raising up disciples, raising up leaders in our parishes, in our families, in our communities, not just evangelizing, but how do I how do I equip others to go out and evangelize? So I need to learn that myself and we'll learn practical skills for our own walk with the Lord, but we'll also learn how to pass this on to the next generation. There's a lot more that we want to say, but we're going to take a break here on Roadmap to Heaven. Here's Mac Powell with River of Life. We will continue our conversation with Dr. Shri after this. Daily Offering God the Father, I thank Thee for creating me. God the Son, I thank Thee for redeeming me. God the Holy Spirit, I thank Thee for sanctifying me. Infuse into my thoughts, words, and actions Thy grace, so that they may be supernaturally pleasing to Thee and supernaturally rewarding to me forever. O Blessed Trinity, abundantly assist me in becoming that which Thou intended me to become when Thou created me. For in Thy perfection, I will give thee the glory thou desirest of me, and in that perfection I will find my greatest joy in heaven. Amen. If you're just joining us, we're talking with Dr. Edward Shree this morning about the Focus Seek 24 conference, which is going to be in St. Louis once again this year. I remember the first Mass last year. We all walked back 
to the Covenant Network booth on Mission Way, which was going to be a great place to hang out, by the way, again this year. And we, we were all just in awe of not only, I mean, the Mass in and of itself, what more can you say? But then the reverence of everyone, the, the singing, the, the praying of the prayers after Mass, the fact that everyone was so deep in prayer, they had to come out and say, okay, this is great, but we actually do have to go to our sessions now. So we're going to come back here and pray in a little bit, but let's, let's all get up and go to our sessions. I mean, where else do you encounter that? Now, I, I want to ask you about the impact that this can have, because I, I love events, Dr. Shree, and I think back to my involvement back in the day with the Steubenville Youth Conferences and going to those or even retreats with the youth group when I worked in youth ministry. Um, I joked with my pastor, the last parish that I worked in, I, I said, Father, I missed the uh, part of the ordination rite where they give you the appointment book. I mean, I saw where they give you the chalice, where they anoint your hands with sacred chrism. I missed where they give you this calendar because, I mean, you seem to live your life by that. It's always full. And Father's looking for help, and this is an opportunity for us to jump in and work in evangelization and discipleship in our parishes and to get a little training before we do. And we say, oh, okay, well, sure, I'll do that, but is it really going to make any difference in the life of the parish? Is it really going to make any difference in anyone's life? Sometimes that voice of doubt creeps in, and I wonder if you could speak to that, uh, you know, that impact that this can have. If someone comes, they might be the only one from their parish, but then they go back and get involved in their parish. What's the ripple effect like? Well, I can tell you, but I'll share with you some stories. I know people that have come, they've come with their parish, their pastor, and maybe a couple others from their parish, and they they want their parish to be on fire. You know, they want to be on fire for the Catholic faith. They long for, you know, people that really believe and they see things, you know, like where people are leaving and it feels like my parish is going backwards instead of forward. If you have that desire, you long for your parish to be transformed. You long for conversions, for Catholics that are truly committed to the Catholic faith, to all that Jesus teaches, and 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 they're so on fire for Jesus they want to share with others. Wouldn't that be wonderful if every parish was that, you know, this great source of life, you know, to the rest of the world? But I think many people experience parish life as kind of like maybe we're just holding steady against the culture, barely. Uh, and many people say, I feel like we're losing the battle in the culture. We're losing people. And they feel discouraged. Uh, I think coming to the Sikh conference gives you the encouragement because you see if you proclaim the gospel in its great joy, people will respond. Young people will respond. Young families will respond. Young parents will respond. It's beautiful. But then what we're going to do in the Making Mystery Disciples track is give you the vision and the practical skills. To, to actually build a culture of transformation in your parish life. We've seen people who've come to this track that have gone back with their pastors and started implementing what we what we give you. And we accompany you afterwards. We'll, we'll, we'll do sessions that help you to, to carry out what you learn at the SEEK conference. Uh, but then they start leading small groups of their own. I know parishes that all of a sudden they didn't really have a culture of small group. And now all of a sudden there's all these little pockets of small groups that have expanded. It's not just like, oh, the pastor started a bunch of small groups. No, the pastor encouraged the lay people that came. And those lay people, not only did they start small groups, but they began training others to start small groups of their own. And so you're seeing it multiply in the parish. And that's what we really long for. We really want to see a culture of missionary discipleship in our parish. If we keep doing what we're doing in parish life, you know, we, we know that's not working in most places, right? And, and we have to be willing to realize the culture has changed. The people who come to our parishes are different than they were 20 years ago, 10 years ago. 
I, I'm blessed to speak with, with parish leaders around the country. They all tell me this. The questions people have, what their needs are, their brokenness, their hurts, uh, they need a lot of help. And, and we need lay people, lay people that could go out and meet them to, in, in places where the, the priest is never going to be able to reach them. But every lay person knows their neighbor. They know the people in their office. They have families and extended families. They are out there like leaven. And if we can equip them with the right vision, and I just want to be really clear, what we're going to share with you isn't like the focus thing. It's not about what focus does. No, no. We're sharing with you from the heart of the church, what the Catholic church is teaching we need to be doing now to carry out the new evangelization. And we've been blessed to work alongside many adults and many pastors and bishops in the work of evangelization. And we're just going to share what we're seeing is working. And, and it's not rocket science. It comes from scripture and it comes from the church's teachings on the art of discipleship and evangelization. And I love that you talk about the importance of small groups, because, you know, we mentioned all these great conferences, including SEEK, the retreats we've all been, the events we've been to, they're great, you know, and I, I like to think that in between the lines, somewhere in the gospel, at, right after the transfiguration, at some point, Peter just turned to the other two and goes, okay, but now what, right? You know, and those moments, I, I don't know about you, but they, they give me a little bit of gas in the tank to say, all right, all the hard work we're going to do now out in the mission field that's going to sustain me, and that's a wonderful thing, and the grace that God pours out in these events, it, it, it's incredible. But those small groups, I mean, I, I think back to the gospel, Dr. Shree, it, that's the model, the, the road to Emmaus, the original small group right there. <laughs> I mean, so much witnessing can happen, so much sharing can happen, and I also think of that passage in John 9 where the man born blind is healed, and they're asking him all these questions. Well, who did this? How did he do this? What gives him the power to do this? What happened here? What's going on? And he says, look, I don't know the answers to any of those questions. What I know is that I was blind. And Jesus did this, and now I can see. I see. And that's an amazing little small group in and of itself. Yeah, and I know like, some of the people listening right now going, oh, I don't know if I could lead a small group. I don't know how to do that. I don't know enough theology. I don't know enough about the Bible. I want to be really clear. Like you said, like that, that, that person didn't have a lot of experience. The woman at the well is one of the first evangelists in the Gospel of John. And she goes and converts so many people in that town of Samaria. She didn't have any training. It's not like she stopped at that diocesan workshop for evangelization. If we really encounter Christ, we can be an instrument. If we really believe Jesus makes a difference in my life, I'm living from relationship with him, I can be an instrument that God uses. Now, we're going to give you some practical skills to help you be more effective, help you have more confidence, really. That, that's what this is all about. And again, it's to share them. I want to be more confident sharing my faith with my 26-year-old that is no longer practicing the faith. If you're in that situation, we want to help you. If you have uh, grandchildren that aren't practicing the faith and you want to learn how can you be a better witness to them, come to the Making Mission Disciples track. If you long for your parish to be going through a renewal, come to the Making Mystery Disciples track at SEEK because we're going to give you the skills to do that. But now we're going to give you practical skills. They're not going to be just talks. We're going to give you hands-on experience where you can practice, you know, and get feedback from others. So you're going to, it's it's one of those things that you're going to actually come away, not just go, oh, I got some good ideas, but you'll come up with some hands-on experiences, uh, especially if you're a part of those small groups in the, in the Making Mystery Disciples track. But even more than that, I want to tell you one other thing we're going to do. Uh, so each year after SEEK, Curtis and I lead an online Bible study. And you know we'll get a couple thousand people around the country that are watching, participating. But the reason we have a couple thousand people is it's a core of a few hundred that are leading small groups. So here's my question. You may not know a lot about the Bible. You may not know Hebrew and Greek. You may not have a PhD in theology. That's okay. Can you press play? 
Can you click on a link? And do you love people enough to invite them to a small group, to encounter the word of God, to encounter the person of Jesus Christ and the great story of salvation? Because if you have love and you can make an invitation and you can press play, you can press click on a link, you can lead this small group. It's going to be really easy because Curtis and I will be the ones, we'll, we'll, we'll handle the content. And then what happens is we, you know, we'll teach for about 30 minutes and then, then you break and then we're going to give you small group questions. So maybe the fourth criteria, can you open an email and read it? We're going to give you small group questions. All you have to do is ask the questions and then you let the word of God and the Holy Spirit do the work. So you don't have to be an expert. There are many people who have very little experience in pastoral ministry that are doing amazing work of evangelization because they love Jesus and they love people and they, they can facilitate a small group. So we're going to equip, equip you, make it really easy. Uh, and again, these are things you can lead in your own home. You can lead them you know, digitally. You can lead them in your parish. But they're great ways to bring souls to take that next step in their journey with the Lord. Their next step is a disciple. And that's what we wonder. That's what evangelization is. It's not complicated. Can you invite this person concretely to take the next step in prayer, the next step in their faith formation, the next step in encountering Jesus in the sacraments? Can you do that? That's evangelization. I believe every listener, if you're listening to the show, you can do this. Come to the SEEK conference. Go check it out. And you can register now for the Making Missionary Disciples track. Yeah, it's it's really great. And, uh, you know, here's the thing. How often do you get to say, you want to come to this Bible study I'm leading with the help of Edward Tree and Curtis Martin? You know, how often do you get to say that, right? You know, now, granted, humility, knowing your place and occupying it, I am great at hitting the play button. I am not a scripture scholar. I'm happy to go to the MMD track because I don't have my MA in theology. And that's okay because I can share the story of this is what Jesus has been doing in my life. This is what the Holy Spirit's been doing in my life. Dr. Shri, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to be with us to promote this. We are so looking forward to you and everyone else dropping into St. Louis to grace us for for five days, and more so to what God's going to be doing in that time through you and the team. It's going to be incredible. You heard it here, seek.focus.org, and especially for the Making Missionary Disciples track, seek.focus.org slash MMD. I was just on the site earlier today. If you click register, you'll see I'm a college student. If the answer is yes, you click that. I am not a college student. You click the other one. It'll take you exactly to where you need to go. And don't forget when you come down to Seek to come check out Covenant Network on Mission Way. We're going to be having a lot of fun. You can play our Cataquiz game live. And, uh, well, that's all I'm going to say for now because we're going to be talking about Seek even more in the coming weeks. But, Dr. Shree, once again, thanks for being with us on Roadmap to Heaven today. Thanks for having me. See you in St. Louis. Consecration to Mary. My queen and my mother, I give myself entirely to you, and to show my devotion to you, I consecrate to you this day my eyes, my ears, my mouth, my heart, my whole being without reserve. Wherefore, good mother, as I am your own, keep me, guard me, as your property and possession. Amen. Yesterday, we began playing an interview that we taped last week with Bishop Mark Rivetuso about preparing for the Sacrament of Confirmation. We're going to pick back up where we left off yesterday and talking about confirmation names. 
I'd like to talk for a moment about some of the d- different things that our confirmandi are considering. Mm. And our listeners know that my mm. son's going through this process. And one day we came home, found him with the, the lives of the saints open. He said, Dad, yes. I hear I have to pick a new name. And now the other, other kids, Dad, why don't I get to pick a new name? I, I, you know, mm. I, I like my name, but I, I'd prefer another one. Mm. Um, why do we pick a new name at confirmation? And, and what are some of the things that you would mm. encourage the confirmandi and their parents and sponsors to, to consider as, mm. as these young people look at possible names? Sure. You know, this is something uh, very dear to me. You know, when we were growing up in our family, you had to have the name of Jesus, Mary, or Joseph in your name. So confirmation was my last opportunity to do that, or I've been oust from my family. So I chose St. Joseph because I thought St. Joseph was one kind of behind the scenes, did wonderful good, provided for the Holy Family, a wonderful role model, guardian of the church. I wanted to to emulate myself after St. Joseph. And... I mention this because um, it's important for uh, our candidates to discern who is the saint that really I connect with as well as uh, I feel is an inspiration for me to live out sainthood in my life. And I always remind the candidates that you not only are praying and discerning about that confirmation patron saint, but that saint chose you as well. And you should always have a relationship with that saint Every day I hear I, I go to St. Joseph, pray with me so that I may live the fruits of my confirmation, live out my personal Pentecost to be open to Holy Spirit, working in a beautiful way this day to live out being a saint, to be that good shepherd for people, to be a, a priest who cares for the cares of others, to be a pastor who helps those who are in need. So I, I, I always want to remind myself that St. Joseph is always a relationship that is very dear to me. And I will say that as I have, I, I receive letters many times from the candidates, and it's very beautiful. They're discerning very seriously who that confirmation patron saint is. You know, a couple, I'll share two examples. Uh, this wonderful young lady who sent a letter saying she chose St. Lucy because she is struggling because she's probably eventually becoming blind. And St. Lucy is the patron of eyes, of eyesight. And she wanted St. Lucy to be a help to her as she dealt with that struggle and see how she was able to live the beauty of Christ in the midst of that struggle, living out the help with the saints and with the Holy Spirit, uh, always guiding her. Uh, Also, I had another person that talked about uh, her little brother who was having some mental illness concerns. And she chose St. Diphna, which is the patron saint for mental illness, to see the care and love that went into that consideration, as well as the care and love of that person for her little brother, for her family. That's living sainthood. And what a beautiful way that she lived sainthood by the help of the Holy Spirit and seeing that saint as someone very much connected to, to live out a love for those who are going through their struggles, maybe with mental illness. So I thought, what, a, what beautiful things we're seeing in our young people of how they're praying, discerning, looking at the saints and seeing the connection, which helps them not only to see that saint as an inspiration, but being inspired by that saint to live out sainthood themselves. Uh, saint John Leonardi was my confirmation saint, and I, I don't remember too much about him but now, later in life, I, I have a, a, a strong devotion to St. Philip Neri, and I remember that St. John Leonardi was an oratorian. 
in, in the community, yes. uh, not with not with St. Philip, if memory serves, but in one of the communities founded by the Oratorians. So there he was, looking oh, out for beautiful. me. He said, yes. all right, you picked me, but later in life, uh, I'll give you a little Yikes. grace. But that, that's a great place, I imagine, to start then. If someone's saying, well, I don't know anything about, uh, you know, I know I know St. Joseph, I know Mary, I know Jesus. Um, I know that our school is named after mm-hmm. a saint. I don't know where to begin. They could, you know, I, I like soccer. Could I just type in, in in Google or wherever who is the patron saint of sports and and read about that saint or yes. who's the saint that had a lot of brothers and sisters because I have a lot of brothers and sisters, you know? Yes. And I will say two names always come up, St. Cecilia and St. Sebastian for sports. So uh, music and sports. I, 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 but I, I always say it's it's beautiful to hear in those letters, to read those letters and and also to talk to the candidates about the beauty of those saints in their lives. And, you know, what's important to them at that stage? I'm glad that faith is entering into it. Wherever they're at, I'm happy that faith is a part of their life. And even in sports, they're learning uh, faith lessons through their sports or in the gift of music, of how they can give that gift of music and the mission of the church. What a wonderful way to bring faith into things. So I always figure we want to go where they're at and help them to understand where they're at is where they're called to live faith. One of the challenges that we face as we go through catechesis, and this is something that we've certainly talked about with our son, that uh, part of the reason that he will be confirmed at this age is because of where he's at in his formation, both spiritual and intellectual. (laughs) And we want him to know what's happening with his confirmation when he goes forward to receive the sacrament. The the challenge lies in that it's also his eighth grade year, and it's a, a year of a lot of less. You know, this is the <laughs> last time. Uh, he doesn't even have to wear most of the school uniform. They get to wear their eighth grade mm-hmm. shirt every day, so he doesn't have to wear the old uniform as it was. Um, it's the last time that they'll go to this event, the last time they'll they'll go to the mother's son or the, the, the family activity, and certainly the last time they'll go to school at his particular school. And there can be that tendency to think that this is kind of an exit sacrament they, mm-hmm. instead of that really that, that final initiation. This mm-hmm. is a, a starting point. What what do you say to those um, who, who might be thinking that way to, to help them? How can we assist in that? Sure. You know, I, I believe it's very important when we have the candidates, we remind them that your confirmation is not one and done. All right. Well, it's like the first Pentecost why was it there a need for the Holy Spirit? Well, Jesus sends, and we are called to continue the mission of Jesus. Jesus always equips us to do the task, and the Holy Spirit is the equipping to do the task of continuing the wonderful mission of Jesus in our world so that others may come to know Jesus as Savior, loving Redeemer, knowing His mercy, uh, knowing the compassion of Christ in the mission and ministry of the Church. So uh, it's not one and done, and that's what's so important is that when you receive confirmation, it's important to remember, come Holy Spirit every day of our life, because I need to live the fruits of confirmation. It's not only a sacrament received, but living the fruits of that sacrament and helping the candidates to remember that the Holy Spirit's going to help you. This is your personal Pentecost, so you can make good Christ decisions, so you can make good Christ discernment in what you do with your life, to discern with Jesus by the help of the Holy Spirit what is the beauty of living Christ in my vocation, and what will that vocation be? Jesus, what is it that I'm called to be in my life, to live the fullness of my life in you, to be uh, dedicated to the single life, uh, living the gospel, or to be a married 
person who lives the beauty of marriage and family life or to be a consecrated religious to live out the beauty of Christ's image in poverty, chastity, obedience, or to be a priest to live out the beauty of Christ the Good Shepherd for his people and have the smell of sheep, as uh, Pope Francis reminds us. So it's just good to remind us that it's not one and done, but the fruits of sacrament of confirmation ongoing help us to live our faith and help us to live by the help of the Holy Spirit. So in a sense, a year from now, when they're off in high school and they're saying, oh, Bishop Rivetuso, I, I didn't know how hard high school was going to be, or I, I didn't know how overwhelming this aspect of it might be. You could say to them, well, that, and, and that's why at your confirmation you receive these gifts. And instead of an ending point, that was to get you ready for all these things you're yes. encountering now that you're growing up and in high school and moving forward in your life of faith. Amen. And I, I will say that once again, I remind people, when Christ calls, he doesn't just leave you out on your own. He equips us for the task, and it's always important every day rely upon the help of God in our life. We can't do it by ourselves, and the helper, the Holy Spirit, is there to help us to remember our lives about Jesus. There's nothing greater than living the beauty of Jesus in our life. That's the plan for all of us as disciples, living the beauty of Christ. There's no better plan for us than to live Him in our life. And I was just going to say, you know, it's important. I remind the candidates every time I meet with them, before the Mass itself, I tell them, you know, as you're going out and living out the fruits of the Sacrament of Confirmation, you're not out there alone, not only with the help of God, but you have all of us as a church and so many people who are praying for you. I have a special prayer, prayer every day for them, every day. I tell them, Holy Spirit, bless those that I confirm that they may live the beauty of Jesus this day in their life by your help and grace. I don't think there's any better prayer than that. To want people to live Jesus in your life, that's living the fullness of our life by the help of the Holy Spirit. And that's where we're going to stop in our interview with Bishop Rivetuso today. We'll have more of that for you tomorrow. Now let's get you another check of the weather before we close out the show with the daily dose of encouragement. Hail, true body, truly born. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hail, true body, truly born of the Virgin Mary mild, truly offered, racked and torn on the cross for all defiled, from whose love pierced sacred side flowed your true blood's saving tide. Be a foretaste sweet to me in my death's great agony. O my loving, gentle one, sweetest Jesus, Mary's son. Amen. Hello, podcast listeners. This is Adam Wright for Covenant Network. If you're enjoying this podcast, don't forget to hit like and subscribe. And while you're at it, share it with your friends. And now back to the Roadmap to Heaven podcast. Happy Wednesday to you. It's time for our Daily Dose of Encouragement with Patty Schneier. And Patty, we have been enjoying pro-life reflections on the glorious mysteries this week, talking about hope talking about the victory of our Lord. What will we reflect upon today? Well, the third glorious mystery is the descent of the Holy Spirit. And here's the reflection from the pro-life meditations on the rosary. The Holy Spirit is the advocate. He pleads our cause, for we cannot save ourselves. We pray that he will make us advocates for the babies who cannot speak or write or vote, or protest, or even pray. Wow, this mystery really challenges me when I read that meditation. Because I have to ask myself, am I an advocate for the unborn, the elderly, the lost, 
and forgotten? The poor and the needy, the prisoner and the outcast? Am I truly an advocate for the dignity and worth of every human being? With each bead of this decade, let's pray that the Holy Spirit will show us how to be advocates for life, each of us in our own way. Patty, as you ask those questions, am I truly an advocate? I could not help but think that no matter how well I think I'm doing being an advocate, there's always room to grow. And thank you for sharing this mystery of the rosary to help focus our prayer, asking the Holy Spirit for the grace we need to grow as an advocate. Act of Faith. O oh my God, I firmly believe that Thou art one God in three divine persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I believe that Thy divine Son became man and died for our sins, and that He shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe these and all the truths which the Holy Catholic Church teaches, because Thou hast revealed them who canst neither deceive nor be deceived. Amen. Today, as we wrap up the show, I want to reiterate something we asked you to do yesterday, and that's to pray. Prayers of reparation today to the Sacred Heart. I know the sodality of the Sacred Heart here in my hometown is having a holy hour after 8 o'clock Mass at one of our parishes. And, well, you could go to the Adoration Chapel. You could go to your parish church. You could pray at home, but maybe spend some time praying today. We always talk about this in the context of First Friday, but we can pray in reparation for sins against the Sacred Heart every day. And as I sit here at my broadcast desk doing the morning show every morning, I, I look across the studio at a beautiful image of the Sacred Heart of our Lord, and I, I just ponder that every day, the sins against His Sacred Heart and how we need to pray in reparation for those. Tomorrow on the show, we are going to go back to our series with Father David Skillman on Redemptor Hominis, the Redeemer of Man, the first encyclical of St. John Paul II. We'll also continue with Bishop Rivetuso, and we've got some other wonderful stuff planned for the end of this week as well. Next week is the holiday of Thanksgiving, and I want to encourage you, if you haven't done so already, start making a daily prayer every day. Lord, I am thankful for this. Do it at midday, do it at the end of the day, do it with an examination of conscience. Look for the things in your life where you know you need God's grace to change, to make amends, to do better, to avoid the occasion of sin. The list goes on and on. But also look for the areas in your life where you want to say, Lord, thank you for this. I mean, even in tough times, there is still blessing in our life. And I think of that that wonderful song that has its roots in the book of Job. Every blessing you pour out, I'll turn back with praise or I'll, I'll, I'll sing back with praise. Um Blessed be the name of the Lord. The Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I, I love it. It's one of my favorite things in Scripture. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Mary, Mother of the Church, pray for us. St. Joseph, Terror of Demons, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks again for listening to Roadmap to Heaven here on Covenant Network this morning. I'm Adam Wright. As always, I want to remind you, pray your rosary today.